Welcome to this edition of the Kids Ministry Collective Podcast, where we talk about topics and resources that help you lead more to reach more. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this edition of the Kids Ministry Collective Podcast. Before we begin this episode of the Kids Ministry Collective Podcast, I want to thank this week's sponsor, Sunday School Store. Now, if you look for the Sunday School Store, it's sundayschool.store, and this is the home of a bunch of fantastic resources. If you're looking for standalone lessons to full series of curriculums that are Bible-based, strong, powerful, life-changing lessons, I would encourage you to check out the sundayschool.store. There's a lot of resources there that can help you, especially if your budget is tight or even non-existent. There's lots of free resources as well as paid resources. And I just want to say thank you to the Sunday School Store for believing in the Kid Ministry Collective Podcast and sponsoring today's episode of the KMC. Welcome to another episode of the Kids Ministry Collective Podcast. My name is Tom Bump and I'm your host. Thanks for joining me, my friends. Hey, we are going to be talking about some fantastic resources that are out there that maybe you have never heard of. I would hope you've heard about it, but but maybe you haven't. But we're also going to talk about a number one thing. One of the, I just started a survey. The people that have responded to this survey already have said one of the largest unmet needs they have right now is volunteers. So we're going to talk about that because my friend Nick Blevins from Ministry Boost has some fantastic resources when it comes to volunteers. And so we're going to talk about some of that kind of stuff and what we're learning in the pandemic. So sit back, relax, and uh, let's dive into this Kid Ministry Collective podcast. It's going to be fantastic. So Nick, welcome back. It's, it has been a while. We Full disclosure, we just recorded a podcast for his podcast, the Nick Blevins Family Ministry Podcast. So we be sure to go subscribe to that. It's easy plug, to record plug. back to back, right? You just, it's it's <laughs> that's easy right. to it just, get on each other's episodes. That's right. This makes it work. So thanks for joining me, man. I'm glad to, glad to see you again. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for having me. I love coming on and talking about volunteers. I'm not, I mean, you know, what would have been the answer before the pandemic? Maybe volunteers like that yeah. feels, always feels like it's the number one <laughs> thing, right? And I mean, with Ministry Boost, I think we have 30 courses. I think half of them are about volunteers and yeah. fittingly, right? Because they fit in every... Yep area of our ministry. But on my podcast, we talked about the other thing that people talked about, burnout, overwhelm, and all of that. So I love that we're getting to talk about these top two things that leaders are facing. I always, whatever we do, I always want to be helpful, you know? That's right. Hopefully this will be helpful. value to the kingdom. So hopefully this will be helpful with volunteers. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about yourself too. Tell us about where you are, what ministry you're leading right now besides Ministry Boost. And then we'll we'll dive in more on Ministry Boost and what it is and how it can be a great resource for the listeners out there. But let's talk about Nick right now. Oh, well, not for too long though, because it's not very exciting. I am a next-gen pastor at Community Christian Church in White Marsh, Maryland, just north of Baltimore. My wife and I have three kids, nine, six, and three, we just got a dog. We're telling you about that. His name's Tucker. I didn't tell you that part. He's uh, three months old now. He's a lot of fun. Uh, he's hypoallergenic, you know, like he's a mix. He's a golden uh, doodle that's gotcha. all black. Okay. Because we had our last dog is how I learned I was allergic to dogs. So that was 12 years of that. Oh boy. Yeah. I joke that I lost some years on the end of my life, you know, through that experience. But I love dogs. My wife loves dogs. Our kids have uh, loved dogs. Our youngest, you know, wasn't born when our last dog passed. So 
So he's running, he's running the house right now. Yes. Uh, yeah. With ministry boost, we do courses like 30 courses, resource bundles. So think, Hey, I want uh, a volunteer bundle to help give me all the documents and things I need for that or a new family plan and some coaching as well. You know, that just came back yep. the to some groups that we just launched or are starting here soon. And then most of that, not the coaching, but the other parts are all under a membership, allowing people kind of like Netflix, get access to everything, use what you need. There you and, go. You know, yeah. People use it for a time and, and then cancel. And then, you know, hopefully help build their ministry. Our whole thing is you do this time. I know we all do this. If, if you're smart, this is what you do. <laughs> you don't build much from scratch in ministry right. world because other people have done it. And so if I can take Tom, what you made, and you're willing to share it with me, and I've got 80% yep. now of what I can then put in my ministry after I tweak it, well, then yep. I'm able to spend more time in the ministry leading with people. And so that's right. really what Ministry Boost is. How do you develop? And we say grow your ministry, but we don't mean numerically. We mean right. the quality and effectiveness of yes. the different things you're doing. And so how do you do that faster? Well, you, by not starting from scratch, you know, so that's right. that's me. Hey, and I love it because I have used when I was a full-time children's pastor, I have used your stuff. I've used your volunteer course. Um, I think it was volunteer accelerator or playbook. I'm trying to volunteer playbook. Playbook, playbook. There we go. Which is my which is that. also my book that Tom, it's the first. Have we talked about this? So your book just know. came out. That's right. You know the pain of writing a book. You wrote it much faster <laughs> than me. Okay. <laughs> I started this in December of 2012. The volunteer playbook. In fact, it became a course before it ever became a book. And the first version was submitted to the editor and she sent it back. And you've never seen more red in your life uh, than what she put. Oh, I don't know. Uh, my English teacher would say, would argue. <laughs> would argue that. So I'm still working on the second version. But yes, that was that was actually our, our first course ever was the volunteer That's, playbook. Yeah. I tell you, I, I have and I have used it in KMC coaching. Um, I, I, I have used and talked to people about the spreadsheet and that process, because for me, um, I'm, I've always, there, there have been times in my life where I struggled with processes just because they, I, I would get overwhelmed by them over, I would overthink them. And so I found that and it was like, I can do this. I can totally, cause I hate spreadsheets. I just hate them with a passion. Uh, sure. But, a lot of people do, but that spreadsheet actually I, I use it and I've taught my coaching students to use it. Um, and so, you know, why, why reinvent something when, when I have that, I'm like, I'm going to use this and, and help my other, my coaching students in KMC coaching use it. Um, and it's been one of the most powerful tools um, because it, it took something that was totally overwhelming, like recruiting and boiled it down. In fact, that, that leads me to a great first question. And a lot of, you know, it was, let me ask you, because we always start with, with a why. Why do you think so many leaders struggle with this? I mean, yet beyond the pandemic, because I, I, I think there's some things that I've seen anyway as a leadership coach that I see that people struggle with when it comes to recruiting and filling their teams. But what have you guys, have, what have you learned over the years of, of doing this through ministry abuse? And even as a family pastor, um, you're, yeah. having, you're having to deal with it all the time. Yeah. And the pandemic does add another level. So maybe we'll yes. hit pause on that oh. one. I would say, well, part of, and this actually, it's so funny. This is what the volunteer playbook started as. That's not what it ended up as. But in the beginning, when I was writing it, my desire to write it was because so many things impact volunteer recruitment negatively um, that it's, you, and you don't even know. So right. like one of our courses is the five barriers to recruiting volunteers. I mean, to be honest, it's not one of our best courses. It was one of the early ones. 
and it's me. It's not very good. The concept is good. Okay. The course isn't so good, but the, the concept is good because there are hidden barriers. Think competition. Yes. Most churches, I grew up in a church where it was about 400 people, maybe in the high threes by the time I was like 20, 21. And, and I've only been in two churches in my life, that one. And the one we helped start 16 years ago. So, so I guess eventually I'm getting close to where I've spent half my life in each, right? Well, it was a, it was a Southern Baptist church, um, congregationally led, you know, 8 million committees, uh, so <laughs> many ministries, like so many things, right? Yes, I had such there. a great experience in the youth ministry in there. And I was passionate about seeing our church be effective. And I was asked to be on church council, which is basically a volunteer board along with staff. Right. And it's, it's, it's odd sometimes in that dynamic, like who is the, is it the, are the deacons, the leaders or the staff? Yep. Is it the church yep. council? Yep. I've anyway, said in those. regardless, it had, you know, some big authority and, and the seats, a lot of the seats were determined by who chaired whatever committee, but then there were three at large seats as they called them. <laughs> and one was me, which was funny because I'm 21 years old or whatever I am. What do I know? And, and I'm analytical by nature. I like spreadsheets. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and I had led enough as a volunteer in our church, even by that point, I was leading our upward basketball and cheerleading program with my wife. We weren't married yet, but uh, led in student ministry. Like I felt the pain of not being able to recruit volunteers. And yeah. I knew, I didn't know how much, but I knew we had too much competition. Yep. And so I analyzed it and we had of a church of 400, let's, I don't know, a hundred of them were probably kids and students. So like maybe 300 adults. Um, we had 75 ministries, programs, events, committees, like things that you could serve on. Uh, so you're 75 things that doesn't even count like upward that required 50 volunteers. Right. Or VBS that required, you know what I mean? Like you're not even getting yep. to that level. So I think part of it is there's so many things that negatively impact volunteer recruitment and you, you can't even see them. Yes. But really, even with all that, I think the two biggest things are time and strategy. Most of us don't give volunteer recruitment the time it needs. Like if I'm in a conversation with ministry leaders, if it's a breakout at a conference or a lunch, a lot of times I'll say, how many of you on, you know, with, with using your fingers, show me how many hours you give a week to volunteer recruitment. Is it zero, one, two, five, 10, whatever. I mean, like 85% of the people say zero or one. Yep. Uh, very few people say two, almost nobody says more than two. And so that's part of it which I understand it's never, it feels painful on the week weekend or whenever your ministry meets that you don't have them, but then it doesn't, you know, you don't feel it as much midweek when right. you're getting ready for the next week. And then the other one's a, a plan, a strategy. So without a strategy, even if you give it the time, you could be ineffective. Like if you just think a, a call from stage is going to do it, it might not do it. I'm a big believer in shoulder tapping and just talking yeah. with people. However, yeah. That still isn't quite a complete strategy. So right. anyway, I think it's mostly those two things. There's lots of other things, but I mean, you could get 80% there just by fixing those two problems. And it's funny because you feel like, and I think the perception a lot of people have is that they're nonstop recruiting, that they're always out there. And yes. it's, it's, I, I've asked several of my coaching students, are you recruiting? Or are you filling holes? Mm, because yeah. I think there's a, there is a mental difference and there, there's a, there's a strategy difference. <laughs> um, you know, when you're mm -hmm. recruiting volunteers, there's a focused need and task, you know, position that you're trying to, you know, to f put them into and call them into. Um, to me, it's also discipleship. And, and when you change your mentality that I'm helping people become better disciples because I'm helping them use their talents and their gifts in this position versus just being a consumer. 
Um, but you're right. I think having that conversation about competition, um, you know, I'm thinking about it, even a coaching student that I'm working with now, that's, that's a conversation that's in the next call <laughs> is because they serve in a smaller church. And I know when you're serving in a smaller church, that's a discussion you've got to have honestly and openly amongst the staff um, or whoever the powers that be are that are setting the pace and say, are we running a ministry that's at a pace where we're tapping into too many people for too many things for too long? And therefore we're keeping them from doing other things that could be even more beneficial to the kingdom. Um, because I think sometimes we do, we, we run our resources so ragged um, that it's no wonder when it comes to, to major life eternity sp spectrum stuff like serving in kids ministry or student ministry that they're tapped out. So, um, mm -hmm. and I would say the other, I mean, I, we probably don't want to talk too much about competition, but the other reason that's a hard one is it, it is hard to measure. Now you can, one way to measure it is, and this is not easy to do, but if people feel like, Hey, that's my church, that that's our main problem. Like if that's not your main problem, I wouldn't focus on, but if you like our main problem is right. we do too much, what you do is you go, you talk to everybody you need to talk to in church leadership to figure out how many volunteers do you need to run your ministry and don't yep. give me pie in the sky. And also don't <laughs> give me, it would run terribly. Like just give me, you yes. know, no, uh, you're to run well. and you add them all up and you compare that to how many people are actually serving and just start, have a conversation about is, is that even realistic? You know, we're a church of 300. We added it all up. We need 280 volunteers. <laughs> Ain't going to work. You know what I mean? Nope. I don't know many churches that get 280 <laughs> out of their 300 average attendance. You know what I mean? Like really? So for, yeah. for as a guide, 60%, if you, if you had, I got to do math now, if you're a church of 300 average, like in the service, so not kids, but like right. 300 people in the service, whether it's adults and students or just adults, doesn't matter. Um, I mean, it matters, but you know, 300, if you had 60% of that number serving, which is 180, if my math is right, you would be doing really well. So if you're, if you're the church that has 300 people on average in the service, not counting kids, and you have 200 people serving, you're already doing really well. You probably, yes. you know what I mean? Like you probably, yes. and then you have 340 positions. It's like, oh yeah, you're never. So, I mean, that's one way to look at it. The other problem though is most of us don't have the authority to change it. Right. Most of the competitions, I only have one service. We have Sunday school. We have too many ministries. Like those are the big competing things. And very few of us have the authority to change those. But if at least you could bring the data. Right. You could say this, no, because nobody knows. It just feels like it's not working. Nobody knows yes. why. You could help maybe that way. And that's a powerful transition tool, don't you think? That if you if you come in knowing your numbers, and and I think that is a powerful thing. I know I've helped move the needle in a healthier direction in a couple of churches I served in because I did, contrary to my nature um, of being a, a creator um, and creative, uh, I dug into the numbers, which I broke into hives. I mean, I had to take a lot of antihistamines, but I got there. Um, and I did this because I, I think it was actually probably a conversation that we had. Um, and after taking that course, that seriously, I started looking at, well, what are my real numbers? And then I went to the youth leader and student director and said, hey, can you can you tell me what your numbers are? What do you, how many volunteers do you really need on a Sunday? And this, this and this. And how many average are your students? And, you know, what groups are, you know, because I mean, I literally I broke it down by class for the kids ministry, how many I needed for per service and that kind of thing. Got the youth leader to do that. And then when we sat down in the staff and we were able to talk about realistically, well, then we could talk about hospitality. We could talk about first impressions. We could talk about 
security, blah, blah, blah. And it was amazing that the, the conversation that we had all of a sudden, several of the, the other teams were like, wow, yeah, we, we have more than enough people serving right now. We could let some of those people go. It's time to, for them to move out of being a greeter into something more deep. And, and so let's, let's open the, the, you know, and it, it just opened this conversation. And I think some leaders are too scared to even broach that, but you need to have that courage to say, look, if I'm really needing volunteers and I want to make a change, if I come to my leader and say, Hey, look, here's the problem, but I have also some solutions ideas, man, that's powerful. Um, I've had, yeah. I've, I've had very few senior leaders reject me. Um, they, I may not have gotten everything I wanted, but I got a lot more because I came in knowing my numbers and being able to say, here's my absolutes. Here's, here's what I've got to have. Mm-hmm. Um, now you, it may not, the other thing is it may not work. You know, 21 yep. year old Nick presented, <laughs> I thought a well-researched, <laughs> it was a great conviction. It was real numbers too. And do you know what happened? Nothing. No. Nothing changed. Nope. Now, part of that was because I've had that too. You would need a leader who would step in and make, and that didn't happen yes. there. In fact, that during that season, we didn't even have a pastor. I think, uh, I think so. And oh, who was yeah. gonna who was gonna let That's their hard. thing go? No, nobody's right. not gonna let their committee on the committees or you know beautification committee go or whatever it is. <laughs> like everybody wants their thing, and so. Anyway, I don't want to talk too long about that because that's the that's, it's a tough barrier. <laughs> Here, here's the thing that's good though. Most churches do have, especially if you're an established church, you've been around a long time. Competition is a barrier for you. If you have one yep. service, that's hard to change. I've got ideas, a couple of things you can do, but you know, that's competition because you need people to serve or go to the service. Right. So there's com- competition there. If you have Sunday school or some type of adult classes during kids ministry programming, it's competition. Those are the two of the biggest yeah. ones. But the other thing is usually the other things we could talk about when it comes to recruiting you can still recruit and get volunteers because there's actually more people than you think. Usually yes. not always, but usually there's more people than you think. We know who we know and we don't realize how many people are there that we don't know and they're not serving, you know? Yeah. So let's tap into that then. Um, so for, for those leaders that are, that are struggling out there, what, what's a couple tips, what, what are some things that, um, and, and if you want to mention some of the resources, I don't mind. Cause I think people need to know what you have there. Um, so that they know where to go look too, because you guys do have a lot of there and on the site. And, and I want people to find some help because like I said, pre-pandemic, this was an issue. Post-pandemic, it's still an issue, even Harder more issue. so. Yeah. yeah, it's an issue <laughs> it, along it's with more magnified. Issues. That's so. right. Yeah, we have so many courses on this. Volunteer Boost is our best, newest one. It's built like a 28-day challenge where you get emails and it's a whole strategy. I'll give everything here. See, I never mind giving away all of the plan because what the course courses and resources will do will help you do some of it faster or better because you're not starting from scratch or you've got some accountability or whatever. Uh, I just want to see church leaders win. Here's here. And here's like a five steps that you can do to recruit volunteers. This is more like the trim down version of the volunteer boost yep. course. The first one is make the time, which seems redundant, but again, that's the number one barrier. So mm-hmm. right off the bat, can I get two, two hour work blocks a week? And usually you, I think you want to do Monday or first day of the week, two hours, and, that, and you're going to do a lot there. And then end of the week, two hours. Now, to be fair, if you're putting in a whole, like if you do the volunteer boost course, we'll tell you, you really need to spend eight hours a week, the first two weeks, and then maybe six for a week and then four. And then eventually you'll get it down to two hours a week. But, you know, it doesn't, again, you need to make the time. So what can you stop doing? 
What can you delegate? What can you just hit pause on? And I mean, big things like you may not give any parent resources for a month because you've decided you may not do any social media for a month because you're going to steal as many hours you can get for these other things. And again, if it's just for a month when you're really getting it rolling, great. Nobody's, you know, some people might be upset, but, you know, tell them to email your pastor. Uh, Step two, (laughs) uh, and you can pause me when you talk about any of these questions. This is the biggest one. I mean, if after time, and what's funny about this step we call it make the list. Again, it's different in the course. This is like the smaller version. Um, You have to make a list of people that you're going to recruit from. You know, we call them prospects. Right. And what's funny to me, Tom, is I feel like this is the easiest part of the entire process. And yet so many Uh people still don't do it. I don't understand that. And I think I've learned from (laughs) seeing hundreds of leaders go through this and getting feedback and forums and having conversations and coaching calls. Um, the whole concept is if you, however many volunteers you need, well, one, you got to figure that out. How many do I actually need? Let's say it's 20. I like round numbers. I like math, but not too complicated. <laughs> um, you need 10 times that many prospects. So if you have, tw- if you need 20 volunteers, you need 200 prospects. A prospect is just anybody that could serve. It's not qualified prospects. It's not this age It's not parents. It's not, there's no qualified on it yet right? It's just 200 people that could serve. Now, in my mind, they should not be people who already serve. So that is a filter. But, and then the best case scenario, you search your church management system for everybody that's not serving. And boy, you could get, like, if you needed 20 volunteers, let's say you're in a church of 400. um, Yeah, maybe there is 200 people serving. That would be a lot in a church of 400, but let's just run with it. Well, 400, you know, average attendance means that there's way more people than 400 involved in your church, especially now post pandemic, you might have 800 or 900 active people, but only 400 average showing up each month. So you say, I need 10 times the 20 volunteers. I need that's 200. If, and here's where it stalls. A lot of people listening are probably thinking, I'm not sure I can even search my church database for people who aren't serving like the youth pastor. <laughs> Some may keeps, say what's a church database. <laughs> yeah. The youth pastor keeps that in a notes document on his iPhone and like over here in adult <laughs> groups, you know, like that's in a spreadsheet. And then over here, you know, they're actually using the church management system. So you may need to force in a way other staff and go to your leader right. to help get help with this so that people are updating it because all you need to do, like when I do this in our church, I've done this. This isn't just something we teach. I just search for, we keep track of everybody that serves, right? We use CCB, but it works in any church management system. Right. And so it's easy to search and say, okay, who's not serving. I could come up with hundreds of names, right? So that's step two, make the list. Ideally 10 times, whatever your need is more is better though. I mean, if you get 50 times, great. And then step three is make the invite. But here's the thing. It's not, okay, Tom, so let's say you're on my list and I don't know you, but I read a name and an email. It's not, I email you, hey, Tom, would you, could you consider serving in kids ministry? It's awesome. We, you know, have candy and sugar and, you know, <laughs> play games. We get it's goldfish. <laughs> yeah, we got goldfish. Um, you're inviting them to a step that's not that step yet. So think about, you know, a smaller step in the middle. So what I like to invite people to is a conversation. So the email would look like, hey, Tom, I'm Nick, one of the pastors on staff at CCC. I would love to hear some of your story and talk for 15 minutes. If you got time before or after a service on Sunday, I'd like to hear about how you found your way to our church and how I can best serve you. Could we talk this Sunday or next? Send, right? And yep. then now I do this. If it's 200 people, like if I built a prospect list of 200, I do this through a mass email. 
email system like CCB or anything. And I merge your name in. So it's not, Hey, you, but you know, Hey, Tom, <laughs> now people will probably, a lot of them will figure out it's, it's a mass email or whatever. Some will reply. And then that's where you, you set up the conversation and we'll talk about those other steps. Uh, most of them won't, but that's why we need 10 times, right? Cause right. You, you're already right. counting on, you're only going to get, you're only going to get one out of, if you can get one out of 10 to actually serve, you're good. So the other trick though, is you come back the next week and you reply to that same email yeah. which is weird because you sent it like they haven't replied yet, but, and you can even hack that in um, a mass email thing. This is what I do. This is like my trick. Okay. <laughs> I take, I, I copy the email that was sent to you. I paste it in the bottom of the new email. I put the same subject in there. So it says re, but I add uh -huh. re colon. And then whatever the subject was, I've pasted the original email below. I still merge your name in down there. And then at the top, I do it again. Hey, merge field, Tom, wanted to see if you saw my email below. Would love to hear about how you found your way. To, you would love to hear about your story or whatever. Right. And then it's like, when they get that email, it's like, oh, he's actually paying attention. Right. Yes. And then yeah. the third step is you could text. But the point is you're inviting them to a conversation. And here's the other thing in step four is making that step that they're going to come to. Is it that one-on-one -on -one meeting? Is it a group meeting? Is it an orientation for the ministry. But my favorite part about this is when you invite them to the, especially if you invite them to a conversation where it's just you and them one-on-one, -on -one, it's a chance to pastor them. Serving yes. in your ministry yes. may not be the best step, but right. you, 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 you just ask them questions. Hey, how'd you find your way here? How's it been so far? Uh, what's been helpful? What do you have questions about? And you may have that conversation with someone and you're like, you know what? I think you need to be in our, one of our, in our divorce care group. You know, they just yeah, share with you, they went right. through a divorce and you're thinking, what's your best next step? It's not serving as much yes. as I'd love to have you in our ministry. The best next step for you is this. And so again, that comes back to why you need to have a big prospect list, because even for the people that reply to you, which will be the minority, 60% will not reply, even yeah. with those tactics I gave you. So right. you do that. And then just, we can talk about uh, you know, any questions after this, but the fifth step, I feel like we're there. We're like, we got to get to the fifth one since it's like right there after make the step, which is a little confusing being a step number four. And again, that's a one-on-one meeting. Is it a group meeting? Is it an orientation? Then step five is you make the ask, which you got to be careful how you say that. Uh, make the <laughs> ask. And so that's where you cast vision. Cause you've now, you've had a conversation, you've gotten them to come to an orientation or something like that. And you cast vision you make it really clear what you're calling them to and you're bold about it. Like you don't say no for them. You don't set the bar low. Mm -hmm. And if you do those five things, now you've got, you're putting the time in and you have a plan. And if you make the prospect list, you know, you're going to have no success. Now I've had folks that have gone through the actual course where it's, it's more laid out than that. Like it's more than five steps yeah. and we have scripts and, and things like that. And I've had calls where it's like, oh, it didn't work for me. Well, I've only had one of these calls, but still it, it didn't work for me. And we start talking about it. And the reason was she never made a prospect list. In her mind, prospects were going to be people that they were going to do something from stage anyway about volunteering, like across the board, not just in her ministry. And so in her mind, prospects were going to be the people that indicated something on the card. Right. And I'm like, no, 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 no. For two reasons, that's not okay. One is not enough. You know, like it might right. be 17 and your math said you needed 300. And then two, they're almost, that's almost like a bonus different method. And we all know that doesn't even 
show up as much anyway. If you're just, if you're saying yes in a service, you're less likely to even to do it. Right. So, yeah. and then, so the question, it was really simple. It was like, okay, for our next call, I need your list of 500 <laughs> or whatever the math was of prospects. And uh, so then we talked again, still having a hard time getting a database. You know what I mean? So there's, if you can get that part right and build a big prospect list and start reaching out, man, that makes all the difference in the world. Yep. And I think everybody needs to realize, because again, I know sometimes that people hear that and they think, man, I got to have 10 times. I don't have that many, you know, I don't have 200 people in my church. Mm -hmm. Well, you scale this because listen, guys, it, it, this works. Okay. Trust me on this. It works. Um, I've even seen a variation of this done and I was shocked it worked where our small staff, we did something very similar to this where the first part of it was we, we were casting a much bigger net and, and there were multiple ministries that kind of joined forces together to start this first part of the process. And we got people to that first little, uh, little in, uh, it was a little reception kind of thing after church where then each ministry kind of cast a little vision and we let people hear specifically. And I was honestly, I was, I was like, this isn't going to work. <laughs> I was very skeptical, but it did work for us um, where we went through this process. We got people into the room. Each of us leaders were able to share a little bit. We did have a more personalized opportunity to talk to individuals in the room while we were mingling. And, and we, we ended up getting a group of people that really were like, yes, I'm interested. I want to know more about student ministry. I want to know more about kids ministry. I want to know about parking lot um, stuff. And, and it, and it does work. So I want, I want people to realize as they're listening to this process, that having a strategy is better than just winging it. <laughs> you know, I mean, ask yourself if, if you're sitting there going, well, I don't think this will work for me. Well, then my re reverse question is, is, well, how's what you're currently doing working for you? <laughs> if you're stressed yes. out about volunteers, why would you want to keep being stressed out about volunteers? Why, why not try this? Because it, it, again, I know it works personally. I've put it into practice. I've made my lists. I've done my numbers. Um, I think the other part too, and one of the stumbling blocks that some leaders struggle with is they try to pre-qualify people as they're making the list. Yes, that's true. And I, and I get that every now and then when we're sending an email for something, I'm like, uh, no, no, not yeah. you. Nope. Uh, but that's different than, and that's different than this, because again, yes. let's view it like a pastoral conversation. Mm -hmm. That is where people will figure out what their best next step is. And you may get someone where it's like, eh, I, I mean, you trust your gut. It's like, I, this right. person's kind of weird. I know that's weird to say on a podcast, but you know, well, you have those moments where it's like, I don't know if I want this person serving with kids. Exactly. Okay, there's That's there's fine. people that shouldn't be in children's ministry. Yeah, Flat exactly. Out. And you haven't told them anything <laughs> about serving in your ministry if you do right. the way we talked about. Right. Now, that's different than if you invite them right to a thing like you were saying, but still, yeah. And if you want to win, if you want to score points, and I know that's not the probably the best way to say it, but you want to win your teammates over, you want to you show people that you're all for one and one for all, you have a couple conversations with people and you know, okay, this isn't, this person's not going to fit in children's ministry, but they are going to fit in divorce care or first impressions or sound booth, you know, tech stuff. You go introduce them to say, Hey, I want to set up an, a meeting with, with the youth pastor, because I think you'd make a great small group leader for our student ministry. 
or, hey, I want to introduce you to the person in charge of our tech team, because with your skills and knowledge, you're going to be fantastic there. Um, that's huge for the team, because some of those people then may have people on their teams that they could come back to you and go, hey, Tom, I got this person that, you know what, they're ready for the next next best step. And that would be really becoming a small group leader in the children's ministry. They've got some great gifts and talents that would really benefit the ministry. You know, we started that kind of, we, I had one church where that really started to be the give and take with each other as a staff. We weren't territorial. We weren't trying to guard our stuff. Like we talked about earlier, you know, where nobody wanted to give up volunteers. This was, it created a culture of, Hey, we're, we're here to help each other. Cause again, ultimately, if we're a pastor, like you just said, having pastoral conversations, helping people equip the work, equip the saints to do the work of the ministry, the old King James way of saying it, um, that's important. And we've got to, I think that can be a huge breakthrough for some churches is if they would come together at the table with that mentality that we're here to help each other. Um, it's yes. not about territories. It's not about pods. It's not about even tribes. Um it's about doing kingdom work together and helping people find their best next best step. That's a great way mm -hmm. to say it. I love it. Yeah. The, I love it. Our best year of growth as a church was also or one of our best volunteer years growth in that year. And they're all related. And, and the reason it was one of our best years of volunteer growth is because we had learned from another church. This was years ago about the idea of doing a biweekly meeting with anybody that leads volunteers. And it's, it's a um, accountability meeting where we're all recruiting and onboarding and, and we had to work together. Right. So like, if you like the best scenario of implementing what I just talked about is your whole staff does it. Anybody that leads volunteers does it together. Yeah. So, you know, maybe there's 800 prospects, but I don't get access to all of them. We just randomly, it's like, Nick, here's your 200 and Tom, here's your 200. And, and that way, cause you don't want multiple people emailing. Hey, I'm Nick. Yeah, yes. I got an email from Tom. He said the exact yes. same thing. You know, like <laughs> that would be weird. So you got to mix that weird. up. It would. Uh, now we weren't doing this exact process then, but yeah. it was, we were recruiting. We were making sure we were staying out of each other's lists, so to speak. And there was a lot of those conversations that happened where we shared volunteers. Now my elementary director would tell you, she's always on the raw end of that deal because preschool <laughs> volunteers never move up to kindergarten. Yeah. And fourth, fifth grade leaders often move up to middle school. And so she's yes. always losing and she's not wrong. Yep. That part yep. is actually true. And seeing like leaders that just, you know, graduated a group of seniors in high school don't come back to kindergarten or right. third grade. So, but yes, our, if you can work together as a staff and do it now, you're really talking. And that for us, in fact, we went back and looked our three biggest growth years as a percentage were the three years that we grew the most with volunteers. Volunteer awesome. growth precedes church growth Ooh, we usually think it's good. the other way around like yeah, you know the church has to grow good. and then yes. i gotta recruit them it's really the other way around now most of us would agree with that but we're like well we just need to keep up <laughs> you know i don't need volunteers <laughs> just to grow i just need them to keep up with where i am now which i understand yeah. so it really comes back to the time making that list of the prospect list and then just doing that reach out it's going to take time right and and, and going back consistency to like what, and when you and I talked about on my podcast, you got to work, watch out for burnout. Yep. So that's hard, but there is, I mean, there's just the reality that you're going to have to work harder and more than you yes. should for a month to establish it, but then you'll get, you know, reap the, the benefits of that for months. Yeah. Months ahead. Well, and that's the thing it's, it's doing this consistent, 
consistently. Um, and yes, for a season, you're going to push hard. You can take a break at the end of that season, at the end of that month and back off just a little bit, take a day or two to recover. Um, you know, reward yourself for the hard work that you've put in, celebrate what you have and not what you didn't get. Um, you know, we focus oftentimes on, well, I didn't get that many, well, Hey, what, how many did you get? Um, that's more than what you had. So let's celebrate. Um, let's, 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 let's have a break in that and, and enjoy that. But I think, I think people have to realize that there's a sustainable pace in this, that you can consistently do this on a regular basis because recruitment should happen through the year. Um, but you are going to need those sprints, um, where you have to push for a season. Um, and that's that's a great way to put it. Sprints a great way to put it because like we talk about this, like how you can recruit every week. And that is true. It's not, it's not, um, it's not just marketing or whatever, but it is, it is more of a sprint because it's not an even time commitment, especially when you implement it for the first time, you may do eight hours, eight hours, six hours, six hours, four hours, you know, and then eventually it's two. Well, that's because if you do what we just talked about, you've got almost three months of work right there, just following up these people, onboarding, doing some orientations, all that stuff. And so then three months from now, I don't know that you would start it directly again. You might try a different kind of approach where it's like, okay, now for a couple of weeks, we're going to have all of us recruit a a recruiting challenge within our teams. Right. Run that for a month. And then, okay. And then we come back and we run this process again, five months later, because you can't, you know, you can't do it every two weeks, but that's where the sustainability helps too. Cause that way you're, it is a little bit of a sprint and then it's an hour or two a week, you know, for a season. So that sounds good. All right. Well, hey, tell us a little bit more about how people can learn more about Ministry Boost and talk about a little bit about the membership. Um, and because you guys do have a membership site where, like I said, you can get everything that you have to offer and and that kind of thing. And and I mean, yes, I'd rather have people join KMC coaching. No, just kidding. Uh, they should. Well, they can't join our coaching anyway, so because it's closed for this year. Well, yours is closed now. That's right. Um, so there, if you know, well, all right. So you have to do KMC coaching for a term. Okay, that's fine. No, you have to do anyway. KMC coaching and a ministry boost membership. No, we, we're this. That's not what we're about, right? We, it's not about that for us. Exactly. It's about helping leaders. The yes. I always say we have the three things. We have courses, and there's about thirty of those. And there's course a lot of more volunteers, onboarding volunteers, implementing coach level leaders. Um, building a bench. I mean, gosh, who has a bench here, right? But once mm-hmm. you get, again, if you yeah. put these in order, you can really develop a healthy, healthy ministry, but you're almost yep. always going to start with volu- like recruiting volunteers. Yep. But then we have like upstaging elementary about having a better large group experience in your kids or new to youth ministry, which most of your listeners probably won't, won't care about, but <laughs> partnering with parents. And so there's these other aspects of the ministry. And then there's resource bundles, like the new family retention plan. Here's a plan for you to retain new families that come to your church, tweak it, apply it, and then coaching, which is different. And membership is just putting the courses and resources under one thing that gets you everything. Uh, we we tried that last year and we felt like, no, it was not last year. It was, it was 2020, right before the pandemic. It was a great time to launch. It was two weeks <laughs> yes. before everything shut down. And, um, you know, every resource and course is $100, but don't buy any of them because you should just do membership. It's $27 a month for an individual it's $47 a month for an entire staff, which I find funny, Tom, because not many churches take advantage of that. Yeah. I just think that's so funny, you know, because if you had wow. even four staff that lead volunteers, you just so much more worth it. Yeah. It just reminds me that most church leaders are in a little bit of silos budget-wise. Yep. Still you know, siloing. Yep. It's that kind of thing. But anyway, um, we say you, you the commitment six months uh, at least. The reality is 
uh, you can cancel anytime. We just want to help people, right? We yeah, say that mostly because we have instructors that we pay. You know, we have instructors that get paid. And obviously, we want to make sure they're getting paid for the time that they've given to us. But what's great about membership is you could do volunteer boost and that's your focus. Like I'm going to recruit volunteers. Yeah. And then as you're working on the onboarding part, you can take volunteer pipeline, which is about onboarding and go get, you know, take some of that. And then as you get near the end of it, maybe you're like, I need coaches now. Let me, let me take that course or let me get that resource right. from the volunteer bundle while I'm working on. So that's, what's great about the membership is it makes it all cheap and easy to use. It, it is kind of like Netflix. That way you can get in there. You can download all that stuff. And once the membership ends, you don't have the videos anymore unless you found some way to download them on your own. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, but the resources, you know, you get to keep. And so that's what it is. It's all awesome. about helping leaders develop their ministry in, in less time, just sharing what we've got from other people. We didn't create all this from scratch, right? We learned nope. it from other people. You know <laughs> what I mean? And we all get better that way. That's right. That's why we're friends. That's why we partner in ministry. Because we're all taking everything from Jim Wyman. And That's Sumer right. And Reggie Joyner. <laughs> and, you know, no, no. But seriously, though, uh, in fact, it was so funny. We were building one of the resources. I think it was the new family retention plan. This is a funny insight into this world. And as part of the new family retention plan, I can't remember what the thing is. Because we give away scripts, like sample documents, whatever. Huh? I don't remember what it was in the new family retention plan, if it was a Oh, I can't remember. See, if it was in the volunteer bundle, it'd be easier because it was probably, maybe it was the volunteer bundle and it was a handbook. Was it a job description for a volunteer? I don't know. Anyway, somebody reached out and he's like, dude, I had to laugh. I got this bundle and I can tell that that one thing isn't mine, but it was created off mine that I shared years ago with somebody else. who's probably been to somebody else. who's probably been to somebody else. So, and I even tracked it down because I'm like, I know who on our team submitted that thing. Yeah. And I asked them like, where'd you get it from? He's like, well, I got it from here but maybe he nope. got it from him. You know, it was like a friend of a friend of a friend and it's not the same anymore. It's been tweaked. Right. That's funny. But I just thought that is so true because nothing, you know, there's nothing yeah. under the sun. As somebody That's says. right. That's right. Uh, I know a lot of people out there selling stuff that came from everybody else and, and, you know, whatever. That's I, I, what the kid mystery collective is all about is helping each other building kingdom. I'm not about territory and turf because I don't own any. Um, mm. it's all, it's all my father's. So it's um, a good perspective. And there's, we're yeah. not, I mean, we're not the only thing out there. There's lots of people that are doing these kind of resources. And okay. for me, it's, it's not about us. It's about what's going to help you exactly help lead your ministry better yep. and, and, and put in that time. It, the, but the challenge usually is, you know, you're week to week and Sunday's coming. And yeah. so make, make the time, figure out what resource or, you yep. know, tool you want to use and make it better. Yeah. I've had people that I've not had, I've, I've not taken into the KMC coaching program because I've had other places I send them that, that was better fit for them. So this mm -hmm. is what I do too. And it doesn't make any business sense, but I don't, again, I don't care. I'm, it's not my business. <laughs> yep, that's I'm right. just stewarding what I got. So anyway, Hey, thanks for taking time, man. Um, and uh, I appreciate the, the afternoon that you've given so that we could record two podcasts in one and, and I hope people will go check out Ministry Boost. We'll put the link in the show notes um, to the website so you, people can check it out um, for sure. So again, thanks, Nick, for, for making time today. Thanks, Tom. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Kids Ministry Collective Podcast. We hope that it's helped and encouraged you. If you would support our podcast by continuing to share it with other leaders, 
And if you haven't already, hey, please subscribe and leave us a review wherever you listen to this podcast. We look forward to hearing from you how this podcast has helped and sharpened your skills in ministries. So let us know on your Facebook page or head over to kmccoach.net and share with us there. And thanks again for listening to the Kid Ministry Collective Podcast.